in the tradition of all great storybook classics. On this glorious day, we celebrate the union. Comes a legendary tale of a hero. I love her. And his one true love. You can offer her great fame, fortune, but only I can offer her great love. And that is what she chooses. And they lived happily ever... Actually, I'm going to go with the fame and fortune. Sunday, January 4th to ABC. Hello, everyone. This is Rico, and you're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi 2015. Happy New Year. Oh, it's uh, good to be back. Good to be podcasting, uh, doing a fairly classic-style show this week. Hope everybody's rested up from the holidays, ready to go back to work or school or or whatever maybe uh, you do. Um, it's uh, <laughs> it's going to be hard, I think, this week. Anyway, uh, but today is, uh, let's see, it's January the 4th, 2015. This is Podcast 520 for Treks in Sci-Fi. Going to start out the year looking at a Deep Space Nine. <laughs> Why did I have a pause there? D- DS9, let's just say DS9. Uh, DS9 episode uh, from Season 5. It's called Soldiers of the Empire. It's pretty much a tale of Klingons. Worf, Martok, a bird of prey, uh, Dax is there, and so forth. But I, I think this is a good one. Uh, Klingon episodes are always a lot of fun, right? Come on. So um, it's also directed by LeVar Burton, so it's got that going for it. Uh, so that'll be the main topic. Uh, talk about a few things uh, that's been going on in the geeky world uh, in the last couple of weeks. Not a whole lot of news, but a few little things. Also wanted to thank right up front, uh, thank Vartok for that amazingly great uh, podcast that he did last week on Danny Elfman and all the music that that composer has done over the years. Just a crazy amount of music and catalog of uh, stuff, and and Vartok did did his usual amazing job. So thanks so much for that. I know everyone really enjoys those, so thanks for that. Vartok, looking forward to the next one already. Um, But uh, let's uh, uh, get to this. Oh, one last thing, I guess. At the beginning there, I was playing a little trailer to this new little mini series that's coming on ABC starting tonight called Gallivant. It's sort of a musical fantasy send-up comedy thing uh, in the in the style of um, kind of Mel Brooks like uh, a, a little Princess Bride kind of feel to it. Also an old old series for those that remember from way back in the 70s I think when things were rotten uh, which was a little half hour campy uh, series set around Robin Hood and that kind of stuff on uh, on television. Anyway, so I'm going to be watching that. Looks a lot of, like a lot of fun. Looking forward to that. Uh, and uh, let's get rolling into the 2015 first podcast for Treks in Sci-Fi. The Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. Stand by to receive our transmission. Sci-Fi entertainment news and commentary. I am Locutus, a Borg. Star Trek episode analysis. Captain of the USS Enterprise. Pokey religions and ancient weapons. Collectibles, toy, and prop reviews. I am to misbehave. The weekly Trucks in Sci-Fi podcast with your host Rico 
at treksinsci-fi.com. Okay, I am back. Uh, thanks again for everyone joining me. Let's get some, uh, as the new year starts, let's get a few things out of the way, kind of businessy, not really business, but uh, un- announcements for those that may not know. Obviously, this is Treks in Sci-Fi, a podcast I've been doing for a very long time, going into sort of our 10th year now, I guess you could call it. It'll be 10 years next September. But um, the email, you can always contact me, treksf at gmail.com. also have a lot of other things. There's a Trek SF or Treks in Sci-Fi, I guess it is, right? I can never remember because I don't use it really a lot, Twitter. Um, but um, also the probably the other couple of things, the best things to uh, get in touch and stay in touch with other people who listen to the show. We have a Facebook group. Uh, it's a closed group, which means you have to ask to join, but please do if you're on Facebook, which many people are these days. It's probably one of the easiest ways to stay in touch with the show. Just ask for an invite. Just go to Treks and Sci-Fi, you know, facebook.com uh, forward slash Treks and Sci-Fi. You'll see the group. Just ask to be invited, and if you're on Facebook, uh, somebody will uh, jo- you know, add you to the group pretty quickly, almost. There's a couple of people that have access to do that So besides me. so And also, we still have a forum. Yes, over at treksandsci-fi.com. Uh, just go to treksf or treksandsci-fi.com. Click on the forum link. That also you need to be invited to. To do that, just send me an email, and I'll set you up there. Not a lot of activity on the forum, frankly. I, I knew that would happen once Facebook kind of got more. Uh, more of our activity is over there, but I think it's easier for people. Seems to be the way the Internet has been going, you know, forums. There are still a lot of really good active forums. I'm on, like, the Replica Prop Forum and, and a couple of other geek forums, a couple of general interest things. Try to stay in the you know in the know of what's going on. Sharing you know there's a, a lot of good stuff and resources out there. So not everything is on Facebook. I think the thing about forums to me that are more uh, interesting and, and better in a way is that they allow you to get really into some nice long threads and deep discussions. Facebooks is once it's after you know like a few posts down, people don't see it anymore. Where a face or a, sorry a, a forum unlike Facebook is, is much more organized. You can have lengthy discussions about topics, go back to them, and so forth. So I, I, I still kind of like forums. Facebook is fun to put up a quick post of like a new trailer that's out or a picture or something like that. But, you know, it's so uh, fleeting. You know, I, I, I constantly see posts on our Facebook group, on other groups on Facebook, just Facebook in general of, oh, pictures, videos, and things that, uh, that I've seen many, many times that just sort of, come back up again and there are search functions you know i encourage people to try to use the search functions within the groups on facebook uh or or you know but that doesn't always work because it has to do with the way things are labeled and so forth but so anyway usually if i see something that's really been recently posted i'll i'll make a point out of you i'll either just delete the newer post or i'll just mention hey hey yeah this has been posted before Uh, If it's something that I've just seen, you know, like just a few days ago or something like that. But, uh, okay, so let's get into uh, other topics. What's been going on? Well, obviously Christmas, got some fun things, had a really good Christmas vacation with uh, family and got to uh, see my kids more and do stuff and relax and sleep in, which is going to be hard again to go back to work. I try to, even though I was staying, I was staying up probably a little bit later 
and getting up a little bit later. I don't think I was getting that much more sleep. I know some people really, you know, if they're normally used to getting like six hours of sleep, you know, they're getting like eight or nine over the holidays. I really didn't do that. I still got up pretty early most days, usually about about seven-ish, I don't know, 7.30. So anyway, to some people that might not be early, but I was also staying up a couple hours later maybe than average. Uh, so... Uh, who cares about that stuff? <laughs> oh, gosh. It's hard to do this. You know, two weeks ago, I did a vidcast for our Secret Santa thing. And then, so it's been about a month since I did just a kind of an audio show like this. So, and I think, again, I, I say that a lot uh, when I get back after this kind of a break. But um, so, uh, Christmas, what did people get? Did you guys get some good loot and cool things? I got kind of an, in a way, a, I guess, sort of a call it a gift or an unexpected gift. We went to, um, I guess it was Christmas Eve. Yes, we went out into the throngs on Christmas Eve. My younger son, Eric, has been wanting an, uh, an iPhone. And he had literally the oldest phone you, you probably have seen. In, in It was a very old feature phone. He, he had it for many years. He really held off. So we kind of helped him out on it and um, got him on an iPhone. And at the Sprint store, they had a special deal. And I, it's probably a deal that other people have. I don't know. But basically, uh, you know, they have all these phones for free these days, quote unquote free, because basically you sign up for like a two year plan and you kind of pay for the phone throughout that plan. And it's kind of cost you a little bit more in the end uh, than if you bought it outright. But anyway, uh, so they also had this little deal for iPads. Or actually, I think it was a deal for any tablet that they sold in the store. And of course, um, I like iPads. I've used one for a long time. I had an iPad 2, I guess it was. Uh, so it was, you know, fairly old, three, four years old now, I think it was. Uh, so but what they basically were offering was a, a two-year kind of agreement on a new iPad. You could get iPad Air 2 is what, it, you know, the current, most recent version. And, and at the end of the day, for what you pay per month, you basically are, are getting the iPad you know, for the price you'd pay for it. It really wasn't, it was actually a little bit of a savings when you did all the math. You know, the guy was real good. He showed us all, you know, you're not really getting ripped off or anything like that. So I got a new iPad. I got an iPad Air 2, which is awesome. Uh, it's got more memory than my other one. Obviously, the resolution is higher, thinner, lighter, better, stronger, faster. You know, it's the bionic iPad, right? It's great to read comics and, and just reading in general because of the higher resolution. I mean, the iPad 2 that I had was okay, but this is really va a real big, big change. You know, it's, it's several generations above. So uh, I've been kind of playing with getting that set up, and I, I handed off the older uh, one to Lynn. Uh, she had a Kindle Fire, which she still uses and, and has been liking the iPad, though, too. And so that was kind of an unexpected thing, which was very nice. Uh, I've been kind of trying to get everything set up and moved over on that. One thing that I was doing a little bit yesterday, actually, was was digitally uh, pulling off some movies on Blu-rays that I own and putting a few of them on the iPad. Since there's some more storage on that, uh, I, I travel quite a bit, as most people who listen to this show probably know. So I thought I'd throw a few movies since this iPad has more uh, memory on it. And I, I put a few. I put like uh, the uh, Star Trek 2009 movie. I put Office Space on there. I want to put Guardians of the Galaxy on there. 
which I got a Blu-ray of that for Christmas. So, uh, so yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. I got a wireless keyboard also uh, for Christmas, so that's neat. I haven't really messed around a lot with that yet uh, with the iPad. Uh, also, um, picked up just the other day on my own. Uh, fairly inexpensive. Uh, I was at Radio Shack picking up a couple connector things that I needed um, actually to hook up an old uh, uh, Nintendo 64 that I've been playing around with, pulling out all these old video game systems and trying to get them to work and hook things up. Uh, but uh, I was in there and bought a little Bluetooth speaker. You know, those things are all over the place. They're kind of the latest thing, which I have to say, I, I didn't think it would be as much fun and, and neat to have as it is, but... I had the iPad set up over on my desk, and I was, I've been doing a lot of cleaning of uh, my basement in the last, ooh, probably the last week, I guess, since I've had some time off work and throwing junk out mostly, organizing things. And I had the iPad with uh, Spotify, which you can get like three months for 99 cents. So I'm trying out the premium Spotify version now. And I was running that on. Uh, running that from my iPad and Bluetoothing it over to uh, this little mini speaker that I bought near where I was cleaning in my basement. And it works pretty good. Uh, it's a little chargeable thing. Uh, and uh, so that's going to be fun to play around with. The iPad 2 Air has has better audio than the old iPad 2 did. It has a couple speakers in there. It sounds better. They're definitely more uh, sound uh, uh capability of it than the old one but still this external bluetooth speaker w was uh was very helpful and good for music and that so um what else uh just uh you know got some other things got some comics and uh some new gloves which i really needed <laughs> oh i got that 150 years um uh, book and and little stand for it of the federation star trek thing uh, Amazon was having a great deal on that, uh, and it may still be on sale. I'm going to try to kind of review that in a, in a quick way towards the end of this podcast. I'll talk a little bit more about that, and uh, but it's a neat little thing. That's the, um, again, Star Trek 150 Years of the Federation. So, um, so that was kind of my Christmas. I uh, just kind of took it easy, did a lot of, like I said, organizing and cleaning in my basement. Still have more to do, but it made some good headway on that trying to make a little more room for some collectibles and, and moving some things. I moved a bookcase with a bunch of books up to a bedroom upstairs, which uh, took some time. So that was what I was doing over the last week or two. Hope everybody else uh, had a nice time in their holidays and had, uh, you know, some good food and, and good fun. I uh, went out to um, see, what did I see? I saw two movies. Yeah, I saw the uh, the latest Hunger Games movie, which was pretty good. Uh, not a huge fan of that last book in that series, but it was okay. Also saw the last Hobbit film. I think I'll talk about more of that in a, in a couple of minutes here. I'm going to take a short break. I'll come back, talk about the the Hobbit Battle of Five, Five Armies, talk about some upcoming TV, a little bit of uh, news of what's going on in the world of movies that we're going to get in 2015. A brief thing, a few minutes of that, and then we'll get into the Deep Space Nine episode. Imagine yourself strolling the streets of Coruscant, leading a squadron of elite X-Wing pilots, going toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Dark Lord of the Sith. You can. All you have to do is crack open a book and listen to the Star Wars Stacks podcast and book club. Each month, your hosts Joe, Chris, and Jen take you on a guided tour of the expanded universe. 
The hosts begin the reviews with a non-spoiler synopsis and analysis to help you decide whether it's worth a read before sounding a spoiler alert and delving into the story in great detail. Subscribe to the show via iTunes or Stitcher Radio. Find the Star Wars Stacks on Facebook, Twitter, Goodreads, and SWStacksShow.com. The Star Wars Stacks Podcast and Book Club. It's fun. It's immersive. It's Star Wars. All right. So, yeah, I saw The Hobbit uh, part part three or part 105, whatever you want to call it, uh, Battle of the Five Armies, or The Battle of the Five Armies. I think it's The, right? Uh, so this is the last Hobbit film, maybe the last Peter Jackson uh, Tolkien movie. Who knows? I, I, it'd be hard for me to believe that he'll, he won't come back and do something more. These movies have been so popular, have done so well. Uh, I think universally most people like them, although I think even the biggest fans thought he went kind of maybe a little crazy, a little overboard with these Hobbit films. You know, originally it was going to be one movie, then it was going to be two movies, then it was going to be three movies. So it's, uh, I mean, I liked it, and I, I enjoyed uh, what they did, although, frankly, this last movie is, is for the most part, one big battle. I mean, I'm not going to give away any spoilers, this review, but, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's called Battle of the Five Armies, and, you know, that's what happens. Uh, but, uh, you know, like... Um, uh, I really liked uh, some of the additions, especially uh, the the new female elf Toriel uh, uh, or Tariel, Tariel, Toriel, however you say her name, uh, played by uh, Evangeline Lilly from the Lost uh, cast in Days. Uh, she's fantastic. Uh, you know, she's in this movie a fair amount uh, uh, and has a pretty eh, pretty significant part, I guess you could call it. And uh, I just think she's a, a perfect for the part. It was nice to see a. Uh, a female, you know, Tolkien doesn't really have a lot of uh, strong female characters. There's some, some of the elves and things like that, but in, in The Hobbit, really not, frankly, so much. Uh, but, um, you know, Bilbo is not, you know, uh, a male uh, hobbit, and, and all the dwarves are all male that just you're dealing with. So, uh, you know, Gandalf's male. So, I mean, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's pretty male-centric. So I, it was nice for them to put that in there, I think, for the women and for the girls that are watching. And you kind of have another heroine um, in the mix. So I think that was was nice. But it was fun. It was a good movie. I saw it in, in uh, 3D high frame rate. Now, people have talked about high frame rate, I think, uh, I this is the first actually high frame rate film that I've seen. I don't know if there really been a lot of them. I know that uh, Peter Jackson did that with was it all three Hobbit movies? I know the last one. I think maybe all three have been that way. Uh, I don't know of a lot of others that have been out like that. Anyway, the point being, it has this. Um, people will say it looks like video. It looks like uh, television. Uh, and and yeah, I can see what they mean. It has this very very crisp it's it, it's like you shot a video it's like you were there with it with like a gopro camera and shot it on video it doesn't look bad it just looks different it just looks different than than film in a way for me at the very early part of the movie i thought it was like more almost watching like a stage performance because you you do have this ability to 
or or not ability. You do have this thing that it, it looks super like you're right there, very clear. A little that's the 3D effect, maybe. A little that's the high frame rate. I think actually most of it's the high frame rate because the previous one, Desolation of Smog, I saw was just 3D. Now I'm I'm definitely not a big 3D fan. Uh, I don't usually see it, but these movies have been kind of an exception. Not really for, I'll tell you why. I like the big screen movie experience. I like to see something with great sound, big screen. And because of that, you are a little bit stuck with the Hobbit movies, at least the theaters in my area, to see things on big screens like IMAX or whatever. And when you do that, you are also stuck with seeing 3D and possibly sometimes 3D high frame rate. You don't really, it's, there are, they're in other theaters, but they, they tend to put them in smaller theaters when they're in the normal, I don't even like to call it 2D, but you know, standard film look. So if I want a big screen, big sound experience, I got, I have to go to the, the, you know, 3D showings. And so I kind of, I kind of, you know, bite my lip and, and suck it up and I go to the, see the 3D Hobbit films because of this. Now, most other movies that I see, they're really, 3D seems to have kind of dwindled off a little bit. There isn't as many, for a while there, a couple of years ago, you know, everything was coming out in 3D. I mean, my gosh, it was ridiculous, frankly. Um, But now, these days, I can go to still see most movies in a big screen, and it's not 3D necessarily. But So that's kind of why I went to see this movie in the last, I think I saw all three, actually, Hobbit movies in 3D. This is the only one in the high frame rate. So, yeah, I didn't really care for it that much. Eventually, I'll have these movies on Blu-ray or whatever and can watch them on my big TV at home, and it won't be high frame rate, and it won't be 3D, so I can see them again in that, you know, normal kind of viewing. And I have a pretty good-sized TV, so so anyway. Um, but as, as far as the movie itself, yeah, it, it was fun. Uh, is, it, is it, you know, too much maybe? Yeah, maybe, I, I you know. I didn't think it was really felt that long in a, in a way because it's there isn't a lot of um, uh, things that truth truthfully happen in this movie compared to maybe the first two Hobbit movies. There's a lot of movement from place to place, especially in the first and the second movie. Uh, so so the this one I think feels in a way uh, maybe less long and more more long in in some aspects perhaps, but. I really like uh, Martin Freeman. That's his name, right? Who plays uh, Bilbo? I think he has some really nice moments in this movie. He he kind of holds it all together, and I think he as a character. I mean, the movie is uh, you know the Hobbit, so it is about him uh, in essence. So that's good. Uh, I think they uh, they did a good job in casting him, and he does uh, some good stuff here. So um, yeah, go see it if you're if you've seen the other ones and like it. This is more of that. And I, I think you'll enjoy it. It's it's uh, it's fun. Uh, there's some great stuff with smog, you know, of, um, the dragon. At the end of the second one, you know, he takes off for uh, to attack uh, Lake Town, and and obviously because this movie picks up right after that, uh, or right, you know, it's almost like you could glue the movies together and you'd have one long continuous story, which is what it should be. Uh, this starts out with the attack uh, of the dragon on, on the lake town. So that's pretty amazing and pretty cool looking to see. I think I need a drink of tea here, but uh, I'll hold off. <laughs> I'm going to press on. Let's see, what else do I want to talk about? Oh, a uh, couple things. We have the new uh, Marvel series Agent Carter starting this week. I wanted to mention that to people. 
Uh, I am going to be watching, of course. Looks good. You know, this is Agent Carter from the Captain America movies set back in the, you know, post-World War II, 40s, late 40s era with uh, Tony Stark's father is involved, Howard Stark. I think is his name, and she's sort of an agent, uh, a secret agent. So this looks like a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that, besides that Galavant show. Most of the series and TV and stuff are going to be coming back uh, on the air here soon. A couple weeks for most of the shows to start back up. Uh, Flash and Arrow, I think, aren't starting until maybe the third week of January back up in in that time. But uh, we'll get them back on the air here pretty soon. So uh, I don't think there's a whole lot more that I wanted to say about television. Uh, We'll be talking about that probably more in the coming weeks as shows come back and ramp back up. I'm trying to watch a little bit of that HBO show, um, Penny Dreadful. I I watched like the first episode of that, and I'm trying to, I don't know. It didn't do a lot for me. Uh, I also watched the first episode of Ascension, that miniseries from the Sci-Fi Channel, it was okay. I, I, I have the other two still sitting on my uh, TiVo. I'll probably watch them at some point. Uh, but uh, I, I, uh, I thought that the show was okay is about all I'll say about that right at this point since I haven't watched the other two. Uh, what else? Uh, I guess movies we could talk a little bit about. Uh, we've got a few things uh, coming in the next short period of time at the movies uh we have uh we have uh, actually a trailer for a movie that coming till july a short little teaser trailer for ant-man finally popped out uh, marvel did this cool thing where they they said the a couple of days ago they put out this ant size trailer so they had a very tiny tiny uh video it was shrunk down in the youtube uh, window you know this tiny little postage stamp size video of the ant-man trailer and then the yesterday i think it was they just released the full size. It's only like 16, 18 seconds long, something. It's even shorter than uh, the Force Awakens uh, trailer, uh, you know, the teaser for that. So, hey, you know, don't don't get too down on J.J. Abrams for an 88-second trailer. Other people are putting out 16-second teasers for their movies. But I like this thing. I mean, I know some people seem to get annoyed and bothered by that, but I, I like getting these little bits and glimpses of just, I mean, heck, I'd like to see, uh, you know, another little teaser of um, the, uh, you know, Star Wars. I'm sure we will at some point. I, I predict still that we'll get another teaser. We'll get another short trailer teaser for the Star Wars uh, movie before we get a, a real uh, significant trailer. That's kind of J.J.'s style and what he's done before. He did that with Trek. Uh, so uh, I'm expecting another teaser. Maybe, who knows, right, right around Super Bowl time. We'll see. And then we'll probably be getting a, uh, a full-blown trailer at some point, obviously. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and there's a, just a ton of movies coming uh, in uh, in the 2015. I don't even want to talk about them all right now. I was actually toying with the idea of making the first podcast of 2015 being like a preview for what's coming in, in the year in movies, television. But I, I said, eh, we'll have that at some point. I'm going to do that in, I think, in a couple of months, something like that when we get closer to uh, spring, summer, when the movies really start to pop out. But, uh, okay, I think that's it. Enough about this. I've already out, almost talked a half hour. we got to get into Deep Space Nine episode right now. All right, here we come with uh, that episode uh, called Soldiers of the Empire. Oh, I, one last thing. I don't think uh, I said yet, but uh, they've officially announced uh, the date for the next Star Trek movie. 
It is coming out in the summer of 2016. I don't have the date handy. When I pause this to start the DS9 episode, I'll look up the date again. I think it's in July. I want to say it's in July of 2016, I think is what it was, but I'm not sure. Uh, but I will look that up when uh, I pause for the DS9 episode, Soldiers of the Empire, from Season 5, Episode 21 of that season. And here we go with that. All right, here we go. I am watching this via Amazon Prime. Another three centimeters to the right, and you would have severed your brachial artery. Auto suture, please. And if that had happened, you would have bled to death right there in the hollow suite. Uh, the human fascination with what might have been is tiresome, Doctor. The artery's not severed, and I am not dead. Oh, well, forgive me for boring you. Let me get straight to the point. You're acting like a fool. Your observation is noted. So we're in the sick bay. DS9 Bashir is working on Martok. This only proves that I need further training. Turning off the Holosuite safety protocols during a battle simulation is at best dubious. For a man with only one eye, it's positively idiotic. Now, if you would consider ocular... I do not want an artificial eye! Then you must accept the fact that you have a disability and stop acting... There are limits as to how far I will indulge you, Doctor. Always uh, great J.G. Hertzler is playing Martok here. We're done here. You know, I think this is Chris Clemente's old drinking buddy, right? (laughs) If I remember. Thank you. If you really want to thank me, don't walk in here dripping blood anymore. It takes days to get it out of the carpet. Check it down. Still no increase in phaser relay efficiency, sir. The throughput reading is steady at 148.7. Have you initialized the interface program? Yes. And then I charged the pre-fire chamber and recalibrated the emitter stage. This thing just doesn't work, sir. We've got uh, Nog and Worf working on the Defiance. We'll start over. Here we go. Um, Go to the engine room and download the operating system into the computer core. But this time, do it one file at a time. Aye, sir. Good evening, General. Cadet. General. I did not expect you until 2200 hours. I must cancel our appointment. I've received new orders from the High Council. A mission of some importance. I must prepare. Of course. May glory and honor follow you on your journey. Uh, Excuse me, sirs. Could I just slip by? <laughs> Nog, he's so tiny compared to these two guys. He, he looks like a little uh, kid. How was the shoulder? Oh, Dr. Bashir made the necessary repairs. I told him it was a hollow sweet accident. He would not understand the need to draw blood in a warrior's training exercise. Few humans would. However, I do apologize again for the inconvenience. I did not intend to cause so much damage. I was the one who did not parry the blow in time. A simple, foolish mistake. One that I would not have made two years ago. Can you discuss the mission? Three days ago, the battlecruiser Bemoth began a patrol along the Cardassian border. Sorry, I had to uh, pop this out for a second. Oh, crud, that messed up my timing. Apologize for this. (laughs) Let me see if I can get over to where we were. Oh, amateur. 
Oh, too far. Oh, wow. We're really hacking this up today. What am I? Yeah, sorry about this, folks. Going back. See, this is what's real podcasting is all about. Okay, I think we're about right. Since my confinement by the Dominion, it must be... A oh, okay, we're going to just go with this. This is the first time I will have led troops in the field since my confinement by the Dominion. So Martok's been reassigned here to go to a bird of prey and take command. Shame. There were days in that prison camp when the thought that I would never again set foot in a Klingon vessel made me weep like an old woman. I envy you the days ahead. It will be a glorious adventure. An adventure that we could share, my friend. I need someone I can trust at my side. Someone whose loyalty I can count on. Worf, son of Moog. I ask you to join me on this mission. As my friend. And as my first officer. Alright, apologize for the weird uh, start to this, but um, I'll dial down the music a little bit. Okay, so this episode, Soldiers of the Empire, uh, Deep Space Nine, Season 5, Episode 21 of the season. It first aired back on April 29th, 1997, uh, almost 20 years ago, 18 years ago. So um, it is written by our, uh, you know, well-known and one of the greatest, uh, you know, Trek writers of the uh, newer series, Ronald D. Moore. Uh, of course, uh, Ronald went on to work uh, and do... The new Battlestar Galactica, and he's been doing a lot of other stuff since then too. So, um, and it is also directed by Lavar Burton. Lavar did a lot, probably. I think of the Trek actors that did directing in in, in the various Trek series. I think Lavar did the most uh, of them. He's, uh, I think, he directed practically in everything TNG, DS9. Uh, he did uh, Voyager and Enterprise. I think he did. He directed in all those shows. I think I'm accurate on that. I'll double check. But uh, and uh, he always really was a, was one of the uh, go-to guys. He he understood Star Trek obviously, and and understands I think what uh, you know what do you really need to do with these episodes. So uh, it's um, I think the uh, the using him here. Especially in a Klingon tale, I think, is a good fit. So, uh, But uh, let's get back to uh, the episode here. I've told the General that I'm inclined to grant his request for your services, Commander. I can certainly understand why he wants you along. You're a fine officer. But I'm not sure why you want to go on this mission. It is a great honor to be asked to serve under General Martok. And he saved my life in the Dominion prison camp. Oh, you didn't put that in your mission report? It was a personal matter, not something that belongs in an official report. Go on. You know that I was forced to fight the Jemitar guards in the camp. Each day they would call me to the ring, and each day I would fight. But 
Then there came a day when I wavered. You mean you didn't want to go back into the ring? No, I mean I considered letting them kill me. It seemed like the only way out. Just before I went into the ring, Martok turned to wish me success. And then he saw what I was planning. He saw it in my eyes. It was a moment of Toba Dok. Of what? There is no human word for it. It is a moment of clarity between two warriors on the field of battle. Much is said without the need for words. In that moment, he knew what was in my mind. Once I realized that he saw my intention to give up, I could no longer go through with it. I went back into the ring and fought once more. He had given me his warrior's heart. Perhaps it is something the human cannot understand. As of this moment, you are relieved of all Starfleet obligations and placed on detached service to the Imperial Klingon Defense Forces. Thank you, sir. Mr. War. Kapla. Kapla. Yeah, I always thought Avery Brooks would uh, would make a good Klingon uh, in any uh, Trek. You know, he, they they made him up as a Klingon in uh, DS9, right? Uh, I think he disguised himself a couple of times. Advise duty roster. Read it and weep. Small arms recalibration? Does that mean all the small arms in the station? Afraid so. And I need an experienced combat officer to do it. Worf has already set up the parameters. All you need to do is just make sure it gets done. I'm the new intelligence officer? <sighs> Has to be a Starfleet officer with a level four security clearance. That means either you or Dax, and I need Dax to take over as fleet liaison officer. Beats retuning phaser rifles. Well, I certainly hope Worf's enjoying himself while we're stuck here taking over his duties. Julian, have you ever been on a Klingon ship? If you think the Defiant is cramped and uncomfortable, try spending a week on a bird of prey. Worf isn't exactly taking a luxury cruise. Serving on a Klingon ship is like being with a gang of ancient sea pirates. You advance in rank by killing the people above you. So everywhere you turn, you're surrounded by potential assassins. But that's crazy. How can a ship function like that? It's not quite that chaotic. The social and military hierarchy of a Klingon vessel is very strictly enforced. A subordinate can only challenge a direct superior and only under certain conditions. What sort of conditions? Dereliction of duty. Dishonorable conduct, cowardice. Cowardice? A Klingon? It's been known to happen. The Klingons are as diverse a people as any. Some of them are strong and some of them are weak. Well, I'd say those two definitely fall into the strong category. So a couple of Klingons have just shown up at uh, Quark's place. Uh, Quark actually doesn't uh, appear in this episode. He's, uh, I think, the only main cast member that doesn't. Uh, which is a little weird since we got this scene here in Quarks. He could have easily moved a drink over. I can see why they caught your attention. Are they off Martok's new ship? Just docked. They seem quiet enough. For the moment, maybe. Did you see the one on the left wearing the necklace? Yes. Those are neck bones. Cardassian neck bones. Decided not to wear the sash after all? Officially, there is no House of Moog in the Empire, so I saw little point in wearing its emblem on a Klingon ship. 
How do you think the crew's going to feel about serving under a man without a house? How they feel is unimportant. All I require from them is obedience. Spoken like an uncaring, hard-nosed autocrat. The quintessential first officer. I, I do not wish to have a lengthy goodbye. I wasn't planning on having one. Good. Jetzia. Yes, sir. I think it would be better to part company here on the station. Oh, I'm coming with you. What? The Rotaran is shorthanded, and I still have four months' leave coming. And I've already cleared it with Martok and Benjamin. I'm your new science officer. Why did you not tell me? It's more fun this way. And after getting a good look at a couple members of the Rotaran's crew, I don't think we're going to be having a lot of fun on this mission. One of the things you'll notice in this episode as we get into it more is uh, Ron Moore tried to give all the different Klingons on the ship kind of a unique personality to look, uh, whether it was their uniforms, their hair, uh, some of the uh, actions and words they used, but they always kind of felt oh. that... It <laughs> Dax just yelled boo at some of the crew. I am Tavana, engineering officer. I'm Jadzia Dax, science officer. Dax? Are you related to the great Curzon Dax? Curzon was the last host for my symbiote. I carry his memories. Ah, my mother made the great Curzon on the homeworld once. She said he was very taken with her. Curzon was very taken with many people. So was my mother. <laughs> <laughs> So Worf just came aboard, uh, or not aboard, but uh, onto the bridge and, and kind of stared down uh, the two of the two ladies I am talking. Worf, son of Moog, I now take my place as first officer. I serve the captain, but I stand for the crew. Who brings the record of battle for this ship? I, Conan, son of Shivak, weapons officer of the ship of Rotaran, present the glorious record of our honor and hope that you may find us worthy of your leadership. So he hands Worf this if you're pad. victories, you won't find any. But it, not for the last seven months. I do not need help recognizing a list of failures. Yeah, they're not too happy with uh, Worf. It is clear here. to me that none of you are worthy of my blood or my life. But I will stand for you. And together, we will restore honor to the ship and bring glory to the Empire. So now Martok came aboard, or came, I keep saying that, came onto the bridge. Workers, and on their behalf, I pledge you our lives and ask that you lead us as commander of this ship. I accept your lives into my hands. 
Clear all moorings. Release docking clamps. Docking clamps released. Bow thrusters ahead one half. We have cleared the docking ring. Ahead. One quarter impulse. So originally this episode was, was going to be quite a bit different. I'll tell you about that in a minute here. No, that would take us to the Tongbeak Nebula. I want to go around the nebula. General, that will add a full day to our journey. I'm aware of that. There are reports of the Dominion operating ships in the nebula. I would like to avoid a fight with the Jemadar. You wish to avoid a fight? Your tone does not sit well with me, Helmsman. Our mission is to find the Mammoth, not to satisfy your warrior's pride. My apologies, sir. I meant no disrespect. Then follow your orders and lay in a course. Maximum warp! Yes, Commander. Maximum warp. Around the nebula. Helm ready. Yeah, so this was going to be an episode a lot like the one from Voyager, Barge of the Dead, where Martok and, and Worf were going to uh, end up in this uh, planet uh, where there was a Klingon colony and they were going to take this, um, go into this lake area and there was going to be a fog and a boatman was going to appear and it was being, going to be the entrance to Graythor, uh, you know, the Klingon afterlife. And uh, But it was a much more complicated and involved episode more expensive so they decided not to do that for this even though they liked the idea and eventually used it for barge of the dead and voyager so that this episode is is more of a story about martok and wharf and, and martok and how he handles this uh the ship and the crew that they've got here you know martok is uh trying to get back into the into the war into the battle uh, after uh, what's happened to him. Maybe you didn't read the crew roster, but my name is Dax, and I'm the new science officer on this garbage scow. And you were in my seat. I'm glad we understand each other. Now get down to the other end where you belong. Stewed Bokrat liver? Not very fresh. With a little blood wine, it might be acceptable. <laughs> There's been no blood wine on this ship for six months. Really? Then I'm glad I brought three barrels aboard before we left Deep Space Nine. Three barrels. Dishonorable conduct. Dereliction of beauty. Dax knows the, the Klingons very well. Knows what works for them. Insufficiently aggressive. These personnel reports read like prison records. We should remember that the Rotarn has been defeated again and again by the Jemadar. It is not surprising the crew morale has suffered. It's more than a case of low morale, Worf. This crew has been defeated so many times they expect defeat. And that is dangerous. They need a victory. One decisive battle against the Jem'Hadar. Yeah, this is also a favorite episode of J.G. Hertzler. He and says it uh, does a lot for his character's development. And 
Uh, it has a lot of heart no in it. Hungers for a victory over the Jemadar more than I do. No one. But we must be cautious. We cannot risk taking this crew into combat before they're ready. They will be ready. I will see to that. I know you will, my friend. Yeah, this was the Together seventh episode that LeVar did for Deep Space ship Nine. Again, a ship worthy of the Empire. You may return to your station. I like the fact that Martok, you know, has his eye scar and damage that he doesn't want repaired. You know, the Klingons sort of take pride in their wounds that they've earned. Three to one are long odds. I'd say you did well just getting away with your ship in one piece. Getting away is something we've become very good at. The Retaran can run away from battle faster than any ship in the Quadrant. You never could handle your blood wine, Lesket. You sound like a sniveling Ferengi, crying about lost profit. That's supposed to wound my pride. But Tavana has forgotten that no one serving on the Retaran has any pride left. Does that include me? I do not wish to insult someone who brought me wine. But one does wonder why the successor to the great Curzon Dax would consent to serve upon a ship like this. It's no mystery. She's the Pamakai of our new first officer. I heard it on the space station before we left. Worf is only part of the reason I'm here. I think it is an honor to serve under General Martok. You mean the one-eyed giant? <laughs> I wouldn't let him hear you say that. He won't. Unless Worf is not the only one you're sharing a bed with this trip. On this trip, my bed is as empty as yours, Lesket. Except mine is empty by choice. <laughs> <laughs> now that is a sound I haven't heard on this ship for a long time. It won't last. This ship is made for tears, not laughter. You're really not much fun at parties, are you, Gordon? Make your jokes. Hold off fate for another day if you can. But this ship and all the souls within its home are cursed. Death and dishonor walk these corridors like members of the crew. Ah, you talk too much, Cornan. Tell me you don't believe it, too. Yeah, so these uh, actors here, Lesket is Alert David one. Graf. The Jemadar patrol ship is directly ahead. Prepare for combat operations. Uh, the guy playing Coman there, Rick Worthy, and Tavana is... Either death or dishonor will visit us this day. That's Coman again. Nothing that you or I or any of us can do about it. And Tavana was uh, is played by someone named Sandra Nelson. So again, like I said earlier, they you know they really tried hard to give these d individual crew members some personality and differences in their appearance and their attitudes. They're active Polaron scans of this sector. It's likely they're on some kind of reconnaissance mission. Can their scans penetrate our cloak? I'd say there's less than a three percent chance of detection. What's our weapon status? Torpedo bays are loaded. Warheads are armed. Disruptors are locked on target. They've increased speed. They're beginning to pull away. Shall I match velocity? Back to our original course. Forgive this unworthy officer's poor hearing. 
But what was your order? Take us back to our original course. Our priority is to find the Mamoth. Sir, we have them in our sights. They cannot escape with no. But letting the ship go. Do not question me! Is the course laid in? Yes, Captain. Yeah, so they're I supposed to be searching and finding command. this uh, battlecruiser, the Bamoth. Engage. That's been missing uh, for a few days. And uh, Martok seems to be kind of fixated on that, although Worf is starting to wonder if he's he lost his nerves. You have the bridge. We shouldn't have let them go. Our orders are to find the moth, not seek combat. It was a prudent decision. To hell with prudence. This isn't a Federation starship. This is a Klingon bird of prey. We could have had an easy victory. And in case you haven't noticed, this crew could use a victory. Enough. You may be my Parmakai, but that does not give you the right. I'm an officer on this ship. And I am trying to warn my superior that a dangerous situation is developing and that he'd better do something about it. What do you mean, dangerous? Take a good look around you, Commander. Maybe it's just me, but I think we're in trouble. Yeah, they're, uh, you know, they're not going to take, you know, running away from fights too long here. Great special effects too again in this episode. D DS9 really, really had some amazing my ship work I'm and battle trying stuff. Trying to point out that we had an opportunity to destroy an enemy ship with little risk to ourselves. Little risk. What if they'd have gotten off a distress call before we could destroy them? They could have given away our position, called in reinforcements. We would have spent the next three days avoiding Jem'Hadar ships instead of carrying out our mission. No. Friend. It's funny he's talking about what ifs no. just when he said Bashir shouldn't this talk like that to him. Right time for battle. You question my judgment in this matter? No. Good. Without your support, I cannot command this ship. Tell me that I have not made a mistake in making you my first officer. You have my full support, General. I knew you would not fail me off. And you can rest assured, I will not fail you. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see Martok's point here a little bit, but, uh, you know, it looked like Two an easy victory. They could have they easily taken that ship out, probably, and, and they probably should have, really. They were cunning enemies. Always had us chasing hollow projections and sensor ghosts. Everything was a game with them. Always had a plan within a plan within a plan leading to a trap. This is Leskid again, who's just, you know, the helmsman who keeps whining about the whole situation and saying how the Jem'Hadar are better. But you can respect a Cardassian because he fights for his people. And he follows a code, just like we do. But not the soldiers of the Dominion. Not the Shem Hattar. 
No, they don't fight for anything. They fight because they're designed that way. Because they're programmed to fight. They have no honor. You're right. That's why they're better than us. That's enough. You're on duty in an hour, and you should... Yeah, the Trill doesn't want you to know the truth, my young friend. But you deserve to know that Shem, Hadar are smarter, they're faster, and they're stronger than we are. How can you say these things? He's drunk. Ignore him. No! You listen. Listen and maybe learn something. The Shem Hadar are the future. Shut up, Lisket. You know why? Because they can break us. Just like they broke Martok. That's enough. She doesn't want you to know the truth. Martok fears them. That's why we didn't attack them. Martok fears them. So this is Conan, or Conran, or whatever his name is, takes, uh, gets fed up with Lascat, fights him, knocks him down. And uh, Dax broke it up, phasered, phasered the guy off uh, Lascat. Dax, what happened? Are you all right? I had to take Ordekin to surgery. Conan almost killed him. Because Leskett was drunk. I do not understand. No, you don't understand. Because you're too busy worrying about Martok while the crew is falling apart. Corna needed to attack someone, and he lost control. But this is only the beginning. This crew has lost half a dozen separate actions to the Jem'Hadar. The casualty list is as long as my arm. And now they're serving under a man who seems to have left more behind than just an eye in that prison camp. Do not speak of the captain in that manner. Not while I am first officer. Look, I like Martok. But this crew needs a leader. Someone who will remind them of their duty as soldiers of the Empire. And they need that leader right now. Or I promise you they will explode. It will not come to that. I know Martok. He is a great man. He will not fail us, but we must give him time. Time may be the one thing we don't have, Worf. What happened in that mess hall could happen all over the ship. And if you think the blood looks bad on my uniform, wait until the decks are dripping with it. I'm glad that they brought Dax along here, too. Uh, I think it works well. They kind of bounce off each other well. I think they were debating whether to do that or not. But I think it works works good in the episode. So they found their target, finally. By the Jem'Hadar and lost main power. Heavy casualties, at least 30 survivors. In need of assistance. Emergency power is failing. The message repeats. Location. The signal is coming from 055 Mark 342. Distance, at least seven light years. Helm, alter course to 055 Mark 342. Understood. I will inform the general. Engineer, you have the bridge. Thank you. What you did in the mess hall. 
Is Rodokan your Parmakai? Things are coming to a head on this ship. When the fighting breaks out, stay with me. I'll protect you. I was still hoping there wasn't going to be any fighting. Yeah, Station. it's starting to get a little uh, crazy here on the uh, good old bird of prey. Station! Even though I love the mood lighting when they're on these bird of prey ships, you know, it's very dark and looks like, you know, you're on the alien, uh, you know, movie ships with some aliens going to drop down. But, man, I'll tell you, it's hard to see sometimes what's going on and who's who. was attacked by the Jem'Hadar. Why would there be survivors? Since we do not know any details of the battles, it is difficult to speculate. We both know the Jem'Hadar do not leave a task half finished. If they left the ship intact and part of the crew still alive, they did it for a reason. There could be many explanations. The Bamoth could have inflicted heavy damage on the Jemadar ships, forcing them to withdraw. Uh, the Jemadar could have been recalled uh, to- Is it that I have only one eye, but I can see more clearly than anyone around me? They deliberately left survivors on that ship. Why? Because they want someone to try to rescue them. It's a trap. Oh. Do not take this personally, my At least that's what Martok thinks. I spent two years with the Jem'Hadar. I do not expect you to have the same insight into them that I do. They're soulless creatures, Worf. Fighting for no goal, no purpose, except to serve the Founders. They take no pleasure in what they do. Nothing is glorified, nothing affirmed. To the Jem'Hadar, we are nothing more than, than targets to be destroyed. I must not let them destroy us. With all I due must... respect, General, we do not know the tactical situation of the Bamoth yet. We should guard against making any premature judgments. Of course. Yeah, this sort of almost a little bit has, you know, like the old, old kind of uh, ship at sea kind of storyline with, you know, the, the two officers and the crew the not really doing well and kind of mutiny. I really like it. I'd love to have a show uh, just on board a Klingon Bird of Prey. I think they could practically make a series out of it pretty easily. Just a lot, you know, even just a Klingon series or something would be, would be cool. It's hard to make out through all the interference, but the thermal signature looks like a ship. It's bearing direct to starboard at an elevation of 25 degrees. It's so coming that, into visual range. Now oh, they're sure. trying to see what's going on here, really, with this ship. The Bamoth. Confirmed. It's a typical Klingon battle cruiser. Looks pretty beat Bridge up. It's drifting. Board. Prepare to receive casualties. Assemble an armed boarding party in transporter room one. Make a complete search of all the habitable areas. Hold! Commander Dax, what side of the border are they on? They're 500,000 Kelecams inside Cardassian territory, sir. They must have drifted across a couple of days ago. There are probably five Jem'Hadar warships out there right now, just waiting for us to cross the border. General, 
If they are nearby, they do not care what side of the border we are on. They will simply attack. I have explicit orders from the High Council not to enter Cardassian territory. I am certain the High Council will not object under these circumstances. There are still survivors aboard the Vermont. We do not know that. All that we know is as an automated distress call. They could all be dead by now. And if they are not, then there is nothing we can do for them. General, you don't intend to just leave them there. I will not throw away the lives of this crew in a futile rescue attempt. They are Klingon warriors. We just cannot save them. I have made my decision. We will not cross the border. From this moment, anyone who questions that, anyone, will be charged with treasonable disobedience. Worf, you have the bridge. Oh boy. <laughs> Stations! Yeah, it's not going to go over very well. Even even Worf has been pushed to the point now, I think, where he's just... I mean, even a Starfleet crew, Kirk would, would never leave a, a ship out there like that. So what are you going to do? Come on, no one would leave them. Challenge Martok for command of the ship. I agree. But you realize he may not step aside willingly. I know. But if the General will not step aside... Oh boy. Yeah. I mean, it just, it, it's kind of like your orders, Klingon orders. I mean, come on. You know, even Federation captains violate orders under their own prerogative when they feel the need is necessary. You know, they're out there. You got to make your own decisions. And I don't care if there were 20 Cardassian ships and, and Jem'Hadar around that vessel, a Klingon ship would go in there and try to save them. There's no, you know. It just, it's kind of getting to, like, yeah, it's probably Martok not a good idea. must die. That is not your decision. He is a coward. While now all the crew have sort of stood up and are in a group standing I in front of uh, Worf, who is sitting in the, in the captain's chair in the bridge. Today would be a bad day to die, son of Moog. Take your trill and go. Unlikely. I was hoping you would say something like that. Another Alert status one. All hands to battle stations. We are going to rescue the survivors of the Bamoth. Yeah, other Klingons came aboard the bridge there with some weapons drawn. Who gave the order? What's going on here? As first officer, I say that you are unfit to serve as captain. You what? You are a coward, and I challenge you for command of the ship. I never would have expected this from you, Worf. So Worf pulls out his knife, takes a swing at Martok, and Martok ducks out of the way, and they're fighting now on the bridge with uh, their little tongs or whatever those little blades are called that they carry. 
Worf gets a little slice across Martok's arm. Legs basically locked here at this point. Martok gets a stab, pretty bad stab wound into, into Worf's chest. So it's kind of, you know, after their little, uh, now they're all singing, you know, praises and battle songs. But, you know, Worf had already, uh, you know, injured Martok in that training battle they were doing at the beginning, you know, that, that uh, led Martok into see Dr. Bashir. So it's pretty obvious to people, I think, when you're watching this, and it's, it'll be talked about here in a couple of minutes, but uh, Worf basically let Martok kind of regain his honor with the crew by, by basically letting him defeat him. How's the intelligence business? Oh, I can't talk about it. All I can do is read these fascinating reports and analyses, and analyses of analyses, and then keep it all to myself. Because no one else has a need to know. So I have to walk around this station feeling like I, uh, you don't really care, do you? No. The vessel's decloaking 15 kilometers off the station. It's the Rotaron. Martok's ship. Yes, sir. And there's an incoming transmission. On screen. Major. We've rescued 35 survivors of a disabled Klingon battlecruiser. Request permission to beam them directly to your infirmary. Permission granted, General. You're also cleared to dock at Bay 4. We'll need an engineering team to repair our battle damage and one other thing. Arrange to have 15 barrels of blood wine waiting for us in the airlock so that we can celebrate. The first victory of the Rotaran over the Jamhandar! <laughs> I would have liked to have seen the battle a little bit. I thought that would have been kind of nice for this episode, you know, but I guess it, it ultimately doesn't matter. The High Council has issued a commendation for the entire crew of the Rotaran. It would seem that you were right. They view the destruction of a Jem'Hadar ship and the rescue of 35 warriors as ample justification for crossing the Cardassian border. Your actions on the Rotaran at the time, I thought they were disloyal. 
but I have come to realize that your intention was to remind me of my duty as a soldier of the Empire and as a warrior. For that, I am grateful. You did the same for me once. Worf, on the bridge, during the fight, when you dropped your guard, how did you know I would not kill you? I did not know. <laughs> I see you're still wearing the crest of the House of Moog. Yes. Jadzia calls it a sentimental gesture. Perhaps you would consider replacing sentiment with the symbol of a new beginning. So Martok, the House uh, of Martok he pulls off his emblem. Honored to welcome the son of Moog into our family as a warrior and as a brother. So he takes off his Moog pin and puts on the Martok one. So really a good episode. Solid uh, writing, acting, you know, cool Klingon stuff. Let's turn down the uh, volume here. Yeah, it comes full circle. Like uh, Worf said to that uh, scene with Sisko, you know, Martok had helped him when he was fighting, uh, you know, when Worf... Uh, had uh you know doubts and was gonna almost let himself be killed when they were captured and now he's been able to help uh, martok kind of regain honor and martok becomes i think uh, you know at this from this point on really key and critical to fighting the uh, the dominion and the jemhadar he, you know he ends up being one of the biggest generals of, of all the battles and becomes uh, super critical for both uh, winning the war and also you know, a good ally for Worf with what's to come. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 really good episode. Strong performances. J.G. Hertzler as Martok is great. So, um, yeah, I think there was a little bit of other stuff at the. You know, I turned down the episode as it tended. Anyway, um, but um, great stuff. I'm going to take a short break. Really enjoyed Soldiers of the Empire. Hope you guys did too. And I'll come back and talk a quick collectible and wrap up today's show. Hey, this is Ethan Phillips from Star Trek Voyager, and you're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi. Okay, I'm back. Uh, yeah, so uh, I want to talk a little bit about this Federation, the first 150 years by David A. Goodman, uh, this little uh, gift that I got for Christmas. It's uh, It's been out for more than a year, I believe. Uh, the book, I haven't really had a chance to dig into this much yet, but it's it's really a nice book. It's almost, let's see, about 180 or so pages, 175 pages. And it basically details a lot of the different uh, times that the Federation and treaties and things, articles of the Federation, uh, the Romulan War is in here, the Klingon era and Dorian stuff in the early days of uh, the Federation, like um, what happened and what was shown in the Enterprise series. Really, really nice hardcover book uh, that has uh, the Federation logo on it. And then it comes, uh, the, the one that I got, it comes with this nice display piece. And let's see if you'll be able to hear this audio. I'm going to play a little bit of it. It sits on this little silver plastic uh, display. 
and I'm going to start it up. Hello, this is Admiral Hikaru Sulu, Commander-in-Chief of Starfleet Command, welcoming you to Memory Alpha. I am proud to present this history of the Federation, commissioned by the Council of the United Federation of Planets, on the 150th anniversary of its incorporation. The documents presented in this history, many presented to the public for the first time, were drawn from the Federation archives here on Memory Alpha. Established in the Earth year 2161, the United Federation of Planets is an intergalactic democracy comprised of dozens of worlds and species. Its founding members, the planets Earth, Proxima Centauri, Andoria, Teller, and Vulcan, decided to combine their resources to provide for a common defense and promote their general welfare in the wake of Earth's war with the Romulan Star Empire. Yeah, so that's uh, that's what the base does. And if you start it up again, hello, this is Admiral Hikaru Sulu. So you can t I can stop it, but uh, yeah, you know, I have to admit, uh, I in my opinion, uh, I mean, the base is kind of cool. It's got a light up center display too of the of the um, Federation logo. But uh, I was hoping I didn't realize that the base. You know, that's it. That he's he basically says about two minutes of dialogue there. Maybe I'm missing something, but I don't think there's anything more to it. Uh, so to me, the book on its own is is just probably the the biggest part of this. I was hoping it was a little bit more of like an interactive thing. Uh, maybe there's something I'm missing. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think so though. I think that's it. Here, let me try something here. Let's see here. I'm trying to start it up again. Hello, this is Admiral Hikaru Sulu, Commander-in-Chief of Starfleet Command. No, I don't think there's anything more to it. So, uh, yeah, so maybe just pick up the book if you want, unless you want the collectible base uh, piece, too. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's... Um, anyway, the <laughs> it's. I'm trying to look through Amazon here right now to see the reviews and stuff. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da... Uh, yeah, I don't see anything. Yeah, one thing I have to say, too, that I saw somebody else make a comment on. There's this plastic little um, metal, I, I guess it's sort of on foil, heavy foil, emblem that uh, that came off the front of the book. Uh, it looks like probably because of the cold, it curves off. I'm going to try to glue it back on. To me, it's not a big deal. It looks like a couple other people it happened to, too. But I, I know this thing I got on, we got on sale. You know, I kind of purchased it for, in a way, a gift for myself for Christmas. Had Lynn wrap it up for me, but um, it's still cool. Great book. Uh, and they had it on sale around Christmas time. So keep an eye on Amazon if you want to pick it up. I think it was uh, 20 bucks, and it's well worth that price. It looks like it's gone back up in price now, maybe around 40 uh, I would maybe wait until it comes down. Originally, this thing came out, it was like $100 uh, to start with when it was first out, I think. So uh, so that's it. Uh, Federation, the first 150 years. Nice book. I'll, I'm going to have to sit, sit down and go through that. And uh, But, um, okay, let's wrap up today's show. Thanks, everyone, for listening, downloading. Uh, two last little things. Always uh, grateful for iTunes reviews, PayPal donations. Uh, details on those things and links can be found over at treksandsci-fi.com. You can also use the short URL treksf.com and it'll direct you to the main site. Coming up on the show, 
we have uh, next week, we are going to do, um, even though it'll be a, a week or a week and a half into the new year, Rick Moyer is going to be here next week. He's going to do a recap of 2014 for Treks and Sci-Fi. He's been doing those for a while. Always like that. He goes through the different episodes, uh, podcasts that have come out for the year. And that'll be uh, next week. In two weeks, uh, we've got a surprise cast uh, coming your way. I'm going to be doing a show. It's uh, I will tell you a little bit about it. It's going to be it's me and a guest, and uh, it's uh, somebody you know already who's been on the show before. So uh, we talk about a, a cool subject. So I think you're going to enjoy that. We wanted to keep it a little bit of a mystery and surprise. So that's coming up in two weeks, and on the 25th. Uh, of January that weekend, uh, Dave Kill is going to be here. Dave will be talking about the movie and the book Contact uh, that is uh, going to be on the 25th. So that's what's coming up on the podcast. I'm going to get out of here. Uh, try to enjoy my last day of vacation and freedom <laughs> from uh, from back to work tomorrow. So I uh, try to take it easy this week. You know, everybody just kind of chill out, or, and no one's going to be super happy going back to work school, so forth, whatever. But, uh, you know, hey, just try to stay happy after having some time off. Uh, I am going to try to hold on to the Christmas spirit throughout the whole year, <laughs> just like the Grinch, right? So anyway, uh, take care, everyone. Uh, good talking to you, and I'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Next week, Rick Moyer will be here. So take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>